there is this research that needs to be done when you're thinking about how and where you want to operate a business. Not only are we curating the best a city has to offer, but we're creating our own original content around it. The weird thing about entrepreneurship is people think that to be an entrepreneur, you sort of have to like jump up on the table, kick a stapler across the room, and then say, I quit. I think that most people that start a small business don't want to be a small business forever. I know I don't. I wish more people would just ask, like, why can't I do stuff like Hi, and welcome to Your Business Matters. I'm Mark Hager. I'm your host. Uh, doing a special show today related to the coronavirus crisis and how we can help our small businesses survive um, these horrible events that are happening on a global scale. And we're all in the throes of some very difficult decision making. And my ambition today is tied to uh, kind of creating some metrics to help us make uh, some of the decisions um, that we're faced with. And in some cases, these decisions are being made for us, right, by uh, just the absolute lack of demand and, and businesses are closing. The failure rate of businesses is going to be extremely high as a result of uh, everything that we're dealing with. So if you've listened to the show in the past or you, you know me, you know that uh, part of my story is that I'm a certified turnaround professional. I work with financially distressed small businesses all the time. And I've been getting a lot of messages lately, a lot of referrals. And people have, uh, you know, very well-founded, legitimate fears. They have a lot of questions about uh, how we can get through this. And I, I guess I, I have to preface this by saying that, you know, in ordinary circumstances, in a, in a regular economy, whether it's an up economy or a down economy, but in a regular economy, um, there are certain tools that, you know, people in my position can access that help small businesses get through. But, you know, usually we're talking about, one business uh, within a marketplace or, uh, you know, a small collection of businesses that are facing similar problems, but that surrounding those businesses are other companies, um, you know, that are, are doing better, faring better just because of their situations. And um, that's just not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a global shutdown of the economy. And so all businesses are in exactly the same situation. And as a result of that, many of the tools that are available to turnaround professionals or bankers and accountants and attorneys aren't uh, available now, or at least uh, they're not going to work in the same way that they would in what we're going to call an ordinary economy. And again, you know, contextualizing an ordinary economy is anything other than what we're dealing with right now. So um, some of these uh, tough decisions that we have to make, I'm just going to kind of walk through some of the steps that hopefully will help you, um, you know, in your decision making, right? And, and because we want to do this uh, from a position of, um, you know, thoughtful input and not emotional reaction. Um, time is of the essence on this decision making. And as much as, you know, I think one of the challenges that we have as small business owners, as uh, entrepreneurs, is we're problem solvers. And when something gets put in front of us that we view as a challenge, we look for that way to bust through it, to go over it, around it, whatever the case may be. And in many cases, because of this present set of circumstances, we just have to acknowledge that there are tough decisions to be made because of the circumstances, and uh, we have to go about the business of making those hard decisions. And so as noble as it is to say, I want to you know, save my business and protect all these jobs through this entire process, it's not going to be an option available to many people. But let's just uh, walk through some of the decision-making tools, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get a little bit of clarity 
through the show today. So, you know, the first thing that we have to do is calculate the monthly burn rate. And burn rate has to do with, um, obviously, how much money we're spending every month. And, you know, if your business has been established for some time, then you have a good sense. Basically, you're talking about break-even. And uh, if you've been running a profitable company, burn rate hasn't been an issue for you because you've been accumulating money, not burning money. And we have to look at how that has changed now as a result of this. And, you know, we're only a couple weeks into this, and so it's really hard to say exactly how your business has been affected um, unless your business has been completely shut down and your revenue has dropped to zero, um, then you know uh, what your burn rate is. And that is to say, how much are you spending now, even while you're not collecting any revenue? Um, but you know, for a lot of other businesses, uh, they're continuing to operate at least uh, in some capacity. Most are wounded. And we have to look at you know, kind of how their burn rate is going to look. You know, if your business is off 75% or if it's off 25%, the burn rate's going to look considerably different. Um, and so we have to kind of try to figure that out. And it has to be a combination of what's been going on for the last couple of weeks and what your expectations are for the coming, you know, two months or so. And if you're looking at a situation where your business is off 75% and you're not able to cover, you know, basic costs, then you're in one set of circumstances versus that company that's, um, you know, off by... 60 or 70 percent or whatever the number is going to be. So we're going to, I'm going to run through an illustration of this, and um, I'm going to you know give you an opportunity. You can substitute your own numbers in, but we're going to do a very simple uh, illustration. And I'm going to start with a company that um, is 1.2 million in annual sales, equally distributed. So we're talking about a company that does you know 100 thousand dollars in sales, and historically they make about a 10 percent profit margin. And so $10,000 a month is going towards profit. And I'm going to do equal distribution on the other areas of this. So we're going to say $30,000 a month goes to material or cost of goods, um, not including labor. 30% uh, 30% or $30,000 of that is going to uh, direct labor. And $30,000 is going to overhead. And the overhead includes things like the owner's salary, typically, uh, rent, utilities, marketing cost and other fixed costs that are repeatable every month. And so we look at that and say um, 30% is going to overhead. And if those are normal operations, then we have to consider what happens when the company's uh, financial picture changes, the revenue picture changes dramatically. And I'm going to use 50%. Um, again, any of these numbers, um, substitute your own in. Because in some industries, um, the cost of goods may be much higher, but the labor rate may be lower, or vice versa. There may be a very high labor rate uh, related to the uh, production and very low, much lower uh, cost of goods. It really depends on the industry that you're in, and the same then with overhead. And uh, so substitute in your numbers. And uh, the next thing we're going to look at, though, is what happens when there's a dramatic reduction in revenue. And I'm going to cut it in half, again, for easy numbers. Uh, look at your own business and see what's happened. But if, if revenue has dropped uh, you know, to $50,000 and we know that we're running basically with $90,000 in cost, then we're losing $40,000 a month, and that, that's not sustainable. So we have to look at where can we cut costs. And this is that first... Um, series of tough decisions that we have to make, right? The most immediate and impactful thing that we can do in terms of reducing costs has to do with reducing labor. And unfortunately, that means layoffs and letting people go. It's a horrible thing in, in a time like this uh, to say, you know, we're going to 
cut people's jobs. Now, there's some backstops being put in place by the government with some unemployment and things like that um, that will help them on an individual level. But, you know, we have to look at this and say, in order for the company to survive for 90 days uh, or more, then we have to get our costs down as rapidly as possible. And that usually starts uh, with labor. Now, a word on eliminating positions. Now, there oftentimes is this tendency to attempt to cut positions at a slow pace in hopes that things will get better in the short term. Uh, and I, I caution you against that because it's detrimental to the morale of your team. And if you know you have to cut you know, 12 positions, then um, you know cut at least 12, maybe you cut 15 and do it all in one day or over a couple of days. Because you have to allow the, the team that remains to begin to function in the new normal. They have to be able to get back to the task at hand and you don't want to damage morale. And it's much more damaging to morale if you know that number is going to be 12 or you believe that number is going to be 12 to cut you know, four positions this week and then maybe cut two or three next week because you create an environment that it gets stretched out over time and everybody comes to work every day worried that they're going to be next. And, and so it's you know this death by a thousand cuts, if you will. So as hard as it is, get it done in one day. Um, and it also allows those people that are you know, being eliminated, losing their jobs, to get on with their task, which is to you know, go and, and file for unemployment or look for other jobs, whatever it is. But it allows them to do that. And it gets rid of this long period of anxiety um, for everyone involved. And not the least of which is you as the owner uh, to sit up at night sweating and worrying about uh, these individuals that you care about, knowing that. I've cut some today, and next week I'm probably going to have to cut more. Get it done in one uh, felled swoop. You can always bring people back if you, you know, cut too deep or circumstances change faster than you think. And it also, uh, again, it allows you to get back to business at hand. So reducing these costs becomes very important, right? So if we can reduce labor costs, we also have to look at, you know, your cost of goods is probably going to go down naturally, but it's usually a variable cost. And so there's going to be a natural decline. It may not be a dollar for dollar or percentage to percentage. So if our revenue drops in half, it doesn't necessarily mean that our cost of goods is going to drop in half because many times there's a baseline there. But uh, we still have to look at that and say, you know, how can we reduce that cost of goods? And maybe it has to do with asking for discounts in this, in this really rough time period that we're in. And then likewise, we have to look at overhead and, you know, owner salary. Again, that's a, a payroll cost. If it can be reduced, we need to make sure that we're doing that. Uh, eliminate things like marketing costs for the time being. Um, you know, it's probably not the most efficient use of your dollars right now. Uh, other people are going to argue that, but it's just my position. And so we're going to work really hard to get that down. So the first question you have to ask yourself is if your revenue has dropped by, in this case, 50%, uh, can you reduce cost so that you can run at break even for some amount of time, even if it's very painful? And if your answer to that is yes, then you certainly want to do that. And then you want to, um, you know, just keep at it and look for other ways where maybe you can shave some costs here or there. Or maybe you can begin to, um, you know, start to pursue additional sales and try to push that that revenue back up a little bit so that there's a, you know, a little safer margin in there. But if your answer to this notion of can I reduce costs so that I can run break even at my new revenue model, in this case $50,000, if your answer to that is no, then there's the next uh, set of decisions that we have to make. And let's just make this assumption again that we've 
uh, seen revenue drop by 50%. We're down to $50,000 a month in revenue. And we've been able to get our cost of goods down to $20,000 a month. We got our labor down to $20,000 a month. And our overhead, again, it's a little more difficult to shave there because those are largely you know, those repeatable costs associated with um, utilities and rents and things like that. But let's just say we got that down to $25,000. And again, substitute your own numbers in here. But if we use this illustration, now we see we've got $65,000 a month in cost at a time when we're collecting $50,000 a month in revenue. And so we're losing $15,000 a month. So the next calculation that we have to do is called our runway. And we look at this and just say, um, how many months can we survive on the cash that we have available to us? Now, that cash is, you know, whether it's personal savings or it's, you know, money that the uh, company has in their checking account, um, whether it's, you know, some kind of facility, if you have a line of credit that you can tap, we have these government loans that are coming out. It may be related to... Um, government loans slash grants coming out the the SBA 7As. Maybe you have access to money uh, you know, in the, through that avenue. But whatever it is, you have to make your best guess at available cash. And so if you have this situation where we're losing $15,000 a month, and we can you know reasonably point to about $60,000 of available cash, then we know that we have about four months of runway before we're completely out of money. And you know, the challenge in this, and this is the next big decision, is you have to decide, is four months enough? And I was intentional to use four months because, to me, four months is the question mark. If you can point to, you know, this combination of your burn rate and available cash and say, I can confidently make it six months, then I think, you know, you have a real shot at recovery. If you are sitting on two months or less, then uh, my best piece of advice is probably to close your business now because that little bit of cash that you have available is going to be needed for you to maneuver your way uh, within this confine. I mean, you have to pay your own you know, personal expenses. You got a mortgage, whatever it is. And that, that bit of money in this illustration, that would be about uh, $30,000. And with $30,000, if you close the business down today, um, you're going to be able to, uh, again, you know, cover your personal expenses. Um, you know, if worse comes to worse, eventually you're going to have to pay a lawyer. You're going to have to be able to do some things. And if you burn out all of your cash over a three or four month period, and then you have no available funds to do anything, including pay for your own, you know, your own life, pay your own personal expenses. Um, you know, you've put yourself in a really bad position and you've done it really to no benefit, right? Because of two or three months of just hanging on, um, isn't very practical. And as as hard as these decisions are, I mean, this is the process that you have to go through and make your best guess. Now, um, is four months enough? I don't know. Is six months enough? I don't know. None of us know. But we can make some educated guesses. And I think. Um, the way you do this is to start to project out. No one knows your customer better than you do. And I certainly don't sit in here today. So uh, I think what we're going to see is a very staggered recovery. And that is to say some industries, some businesses are going to be able to recover very quickly. And if you've ever listened to the show before, you know, I like to use barbershops as one of my examples because my dad was a barber. He owned a barbershop. He was the first entrepreneur in my life. Um, you know, those, I always say I got that dinner table MBA by sitting at, at dinner at night, talking to a business owner about, um, 
both the negatives and positives of owning a small business. And so I look at this and say, you know, how are barbershops going to do? And I think, you know, they're going to have a pretty quick recovery because all of us are sitting at home for a month, um, either um, letting our hair grow or cutting our own hair. And, you know, the day that barbershops open, I think every barber is going to be very busy either, um, you know, cutting very long hair or fixing you know, home haircuts or some, you know, they're going to be in some combination of those things. And so that recovery is going to happen, you know, fairly quickly. And they're very likely to turn to uh, return to some level of normalcy, I would su- suggest in a pretty short period of time, they're going to have to make some adjustments in, in how they clean. And, and um, you know, I think it's very likely you're going to see uh, beauticians and, and barbers wearing masks, and they're probably going to ask their customers to wear masks, and you know they're going to create more space between chairs and things like that. So the business is going to be a little different, but in terms of their survival and their uh, the demand, right, the people who need with the service that they provide, it's going to be um, pretty substantial. Uh, and we can draw some comparisons. So we look at restaurants and we say, well, how are restaurants going to recover? Uh, I think you're probably looking at a slower recovery uh, because people are going to be a little bit slower to begin socializing. Um, and again, you're probably going to have some sort of restrictions and people are going to be spread out more. And so even if um, people start to return, you're probably going to see this environment where the tables aren't quite as close together. Therefore, capacity is going to be lowered a little bit and uh, you're going to see a change you know, just in their function. And it's going to take them a little longer uh, to recover. But then let's look at a business, uh, you know, maybe the more of an industrial business, a business to business type environment. And if you have a factory that makes parts that are sold into um, the original equipment manufacturing OEM market, and let's just say you're selling to a customer who makes restaurant equipment, and we look at them and say, how fast are they going to recover from this? Well, we have to consider the customer, our customer's customer. And in this case, our customer is the equipment manufacturer, their customer is the restaurant. Well, we know that uh, restaurants are going to have a somewhat slower recovery. And even if they get into a space in the second half of 2020, let's say, um, they're going to spend an awful lot of their time trying to catch up for all the losses they're experiencing, uh, you know, in, in this current period. And so that is to say they're probably getting behind on rent possibly, right? And they're behind on, uh, you know, maybe with some of their food vendors or some of their other vendors, and so they're going to spend an awful lot of time playing catch up and the likelihood that they're going to go out and buy new equipment, I think is, is highly diminished. And of course, the other consideration then is, um, an awful lot of restaurants are going to fail, which means there's going to be an awful lot of used restaurant equipment available in the marketplace. So that restaurant who is in a position where they absolutely have to replace something is very likely to look at the used market before they look at the new market. So we're in this environment where, um, you know, that manufacturer of restaurant equipment is probably going to experience a slowdown in business for a substantial period of time. And so as we're doing our planning, again, if we're one of the suppliers to that, we have to look at that, uh, that customer, that equipment manufacturer and say, boy, what are sales going to look like uh, to, to that customer in the second half of 2020, the beginning of 2021? And so we can start to make some projections and really depending on the diversity of your customer base, uh, you have to put some effort into making these projections. And I, I argue, you know, the second half of this year is, is going to be much improved. I hope I'm right. I, um, you know, if I'm wrong, then, you know, kind of all bets are off, but I, I hope I'm right that we're going to see, uh, 
I hesitate to use the word normal. So one of the things that I did before I sat down you know, to record today is I looked at some of the research related to disaster recovery, small business in particular, disaster recovery. And I looked at how businesses um, recovered, a small business, again, recovered after 9-11 in the New York area. I looked at um, earthquakes and tsunamis in Christchurch, New Zealand in late two, uh, 2010 and early 2011. And I looked at the recovery of New Orleans, the small businesses in New Orleans after Katrina. The common theme across all three of these uh, you know, different time frames, different environments, was that they all recognized that business was different. The markets were different after the disaster than they were before the, the disaster. And so what we didn't see, we don't see a return to normalcy. We see new markets we see altered markets, uh, and so, um, you know, I, I hate the term, but we're going to go ahead and use it. Uh, we see a new normal. And I think as a business owner, if your your desire is to say, I need to get back to where I was, I think you're going to struggle. You need to put your entrepreneurial spirit to work, and you need to look at how do we best position our company moving forward? How do we get new business from our existing customers? How do we get new customers? Uh, in this new environment. And one of the things we have to look at, though, is, you know, how do we assess our customer's ability to recover from this? And so you, you do this again as an educated guest. You know your customers. You know the business that they're in. And sit down, and that's the exercise that you can do. Beyond which, it's something that you can be doing right now for the good of your business. And, you know, if you sit down with your management team and and do a critical assessment of your you know, top 100 customers or whatever that number is that makes you comfortable that it's, you know, can be representative of, you know, the, the collection of your customers, but go through that top 100 customers and just say their business in six months will probably look like this. Will it look similar to what it used to be or will it look, uh, you know, completely different? And I also caution you against using, you know, the 100% as your, as your goal or your assumption moving forward that, you know, this company will look exactly like it did, uh, you know, six months from now, it'll look exactly like it did six months ago. It, that's just not really very likely. I would tell you to use something more like 80% to start there and say, let's assume those customers that recover uh, fairly quickly are going to be uh, buying at 80% of what they used to buy. And then you make adjustments, again, based on your knowledge of that customer as to why it'll be more or less than that again. So again, if we go back to the barbershop analogy and say, how are barbershops going to be? Well, are they going to do 80% of the business? No, they're probably going to be much closer to 100%. And we look at the uh, restaurant supply or restaurant equipment manufacturer and we say, are they going to be at 80%? No, they're probably going to be much lower, right? Because of the market they're going to be facing in six months. Now, you do this as an educated guest, but you can also do it by talking to your customers, right? And this is a perfect opportunity. We have this work-at-home environment, and if you're sitting at home, you've probably sent out that blast email to all your customers saying, this is how we're responding to COVID, and, and that's, uh, that's good and that's important. But it's also a great opportunity for you to contact your customers individually and have this conversation. I, mean, I think, you know, we all need to start out, almost every conversation right now needs to start with, is there anything I can do to help you? And I mean, this is just, you know, caring for each other, right? And I think I've uh, said that more over the last two weeks than I may have said it in the last 20 years, but I say it all the time and I'm saying it to you now. If there's anything I can do to help you, send me an email, mark at yourbusinessmatters.biz. 
I'm happy to, to engage in the dialogue and see if I can help you. I'll repeat that again at the end of the show. But uh, so reach out to your customers, though. And, you know, again, start with this. Is there anything I can do to help you? But then also, to the extent that they're willing to dialogue with you, ask them what they think their business will look like in six months. Because it helps you with your planning. And what you're going to find are some of your customers are highly sophisticated. They're probably operating on projections. And they're going to be able to give you some fairly uh, definite numbers. Uh, even if they're, you know, ultimately end up being a little in, inaccurate, but they'll be able to say, right now, our our projection is X. And you're going to have a much, you know, less sophisticated customers who are going to say, boy, I don't know. Um, but my best guess is, and fill in the blank. And that begins to be your starting point for how you can create your projections uh, going forward, you know, it, it, 60 or 90 days into the future and how that works. Um, you know, other, you know, simple things I would tell you is that, uh, cash flow is, you know, cash is king, cash is always king, but cash is especially king now. And in order for you to survive, we talked about this on a sort of a macro scale in terms of profitability, but the truth is you need cash uh, to keep operating, right? So um, even if these numbers are, you know, somewhat accurate or you fill in the blanks and come up with accurate numbers on your own, if you're not collecting the cash, then you're going to have a real problem, right? Because uh, you, I mean, we just have to stay in business. And it takes cash to do that. And one of my big fears is what we're going to see over the coming 30 to 60 days is a complete freeze uh, of the flow of cash uh, th through the entire system because everyone is in the same position and we're all trying to conserve cash, which means we're paying our vendors slower. Um, it means we're pushing people for collections. And these are things we have to do. And I'm encouraging you uh, certainly to figure out ways to improve your cash flow. But my fear is that people are going to you know, uh, stop paying essential or non-essential vendors, um, which creates this environment in, in, uh, where no one has any money because um, nobody's getting paid. And so if, you know, if you're a small business and you're doing business with other small businesses, if you can't collect uh, from your customer, that means you can't pay your vendor who is a small business, who can't pay their vendor, and all this gets frozen. And if we're all sitting on cash and so deeply concerned, um, I think that's going to be the next challenge uh, that we face, and I don't know the answer to that problem. But uh, hopefully maybe the banks and, and you know, to the extent the government may be able to help on this front, but something is going to have to happen there. People are going to have to free up some cash. So uh, I think the, the government loans, are they may help in that, but it still is reliant on people actually using that money, you know, to pay their debt and, instead of just sitting on it out of fear of the worst. And so um, other things that you can do, though, if you're, if you're in a cash business, and that is to say, again, we'll go back to the barbershop and, you know, somebody gets their haircut and they pay for it in the moment. It's really hard for you to do much on the, on the receipt end to speed up uh, cash uh, maybe you can do something on on the payment end, right, on the outbound portion of this, and, and talk to your vendors and and you know, try to slow down the outgo of cash. Um, if you're in an industry where you're invoicing people and you're collecting, and it's you know 30 days of terms, you may want to talk to some of those customers and say you need to shorten those terms, or give, or you know, sometimes you can give a discount and speed up uh, those that that inflow of money. But anything that you can do, you need to be doing right now to try to conserve um, cash. 
So uh, those are you know some of the things that we need to do. And then kind of the last thing that I want to talk about is um, this uh, weight that we're all carrying with us right now. And there's no other way to describe it. I think everybody feels it. Um, it's a combination of, you know, sort of anxiety and depression. As business owners, we worry about so many things. We always have. We worry about our employees and we worry about, um, you know, getting production done on time. Or we worry about our customers and things like that, as we should. Um, and we worry about how we can grow the company and all those things. But now we're in this position where we're worried um, uh, worried for our own health. We're worried about the health and safety of our loved ones, including our employees. But we also have this tremendous burden of uh, what happens if the worst happens. In, in the, there's this constant consideration of the worst when you're running a business. And the current consideration of the worst includes us losing our business and perhaps um, you know the personal debt that maybe uh, go along with that. You know, even to the are we going to lose our homes, things like that. And um, in in the research that I do um, related to small business distress, there is this thing called anticipatory grief, and it is uh, it's grief in the truest sense of the word, just like when we lose someone dear to us, and. It is uh, this notion of what's going to happen when uh, we lose our business and our life changes dramatically as a result of that. And, you know, really, we're in a position, our lives are changing dramatically whether we lose our business or not at this point. But, and I, I think, you know, what we see when this happens, uh, we see this level of anxiety, we see increases incidences of depression, we see in, increased incidences of substance abuse and domestic violence. Uh, and, and unfortunately, increased incidences of suicide. And I want to make sure that I at least say before I leave that, um, number one, if you're feeling that level of anxiety, depression to this level, um, you reach out to somebody. Uh, there's, there's mental health professionals available online or on phone. Reach out. Don't hesitate to do that. Don't let this consume you. I think the other thing is we really have to contextualize this and, and say that what we're experiencing is a deliberate shutdown of a global economy that we are exchanging dollars for lives. And it's the right decision, uh, you know, for humankind, it certainly is the right decision. But it's important for you to know that in no way is this a reflection on your management skills. This isn't your fault. There's no level of crisis planning or environmental scanning that could have possibly prepared you for this. And the proof of that is in the fact that no one was prepared for this, including, you know, governments and huge corporations. And so to think that you should have done something different in the operation of your small business, that somehow this is your fault, it's absolutely uh, not the case. This may prove to be a defining moment for your business, but don't let it define the rest of your life. There are going to be great days ahead, full of opportunity for all of us, and I wish you every success as you search for those. I want to repeat, though, if there's anything I can do to help you, please send me an email. Mark at yourbusinessmatters.biz. And I wish you every success moving forward.